Hello, everybody. If you could uh, get your Bibles open at uh, Luke 8, if you haven't already, to look at that uh, passage and um, uh, your outline uh, to to help you uh, reflect and remember. Please do whatever helps you listen uh, and not have your mind wander so that we will listen to God. Don't worry about me, but hopefully God's speaking through me. Uh, Let's pray that he does, and it's not just my words. So please join me in a prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, again, we just want to say how much we are thankful for you being in our lives. We thank you that you're a God who loves us and who loved us so much you went to the cross for us. Uh, We thank you that you're a God who called us out of darkness into your marvellous light. Um, We thank you for that and we pray that you would keep our hearts soft uh, to listening to you and trusting you and being your people and your family in this world. And so, Lord, please build us as your family and as your local gathering here. Amen. Uh, so today we look at the value of church uh, uh, again and that God values. We, we look and we see in the Bible, it's one of those very clear values. When you uh, read your Bible, you know God values church. Uh, he wants us to value church. He calls us into the church. Uh, but really, the way I thought we'd do this value uh, is to think about um, the age-old question. Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Um, It's a trick question, really, uh, because it sets up a wrong tension. It's usually asked by uh, people who are uh, really wanting to disobey God or wanting to have an excuse why they don't have to do what God says, or they're a new Christian learning and coming to terms with what God actually says. And so it's a trick question because it sets up a tension, it sets up and it's setting you up to give the answer that you want to hear, to give a wrong answer. So it's one of those ones that is fishing for you to say the wrong thing. And so it sets you up to say, no, of course going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And then where it wants to go, of course, is, and so you don't have to, if you don't want to, just use the church. Come if you want to, don't come if you don't, don't get involved, hang on the side, you know, come early, you know, come late, leave early, don't make any friends, don't get enjoyed. You know, because you don't have to, you can do what you want as long as you're right with God, you don't have to worry. Well, it's a setup, you see. It's a setup because every good lie is got half truth in it. And the half-truth is, of course we're not saved by what we do. That's the half-truth that's being grabbed. No one is saved by anything we do. Anything you do doesn't save you. Jesus is the one who saves you. It's what Jesus has done that saves us on the cross, in his death, in his resurrection that saves us. Not what we do. We just turn back to him, repent, put our trust in him, and he is the one who does it for us. But what is it fishing for? Therefore, God doesn't care what I do. There's the lie. Therefore, I don't have to respond. Therefore, I don't have to have a heart that's soft and obedient to God. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I disobey in the things I don't want to. You see, it's setting us up a lie to get a lie, using a half-truth to move us in the wrong direction. And so it's a set-up question. You've got to understand as soon as someone asks it, you know, you're being set up to say what isn't true, that God doesn't care about what we do because he saves us by what Christ has done. 
it's usually asked when, one, we're not a Christian yet, two, we've been in church and we're wanting to leave and we're slipping away from Jesus and pretending, or three, we're on our way up, just coming to terms with what God says. And so if you've ever said that question, heard that question, how are we going to answer it? And so what I want to give us today is seven things, uh, but John's reminded me that uh, I can be quicker by jumping a few, but I'll just do them quick, see how we go. (laughs) That's John's subtle way of saying you went too long this morning, Greg, so we'll see how we go. Or not so subtle way, he's a loving friend. Okay, Uh, but you'll notice on the bottom of your sheet, I'm already going to tell you where we're going. Uh, That is this, uh, two phrases that might help you hold on to what God says if you care about what God says, and of course if you're a Christian you do. Going to church does not make you a Christian, but if you are a Christian, you go to church. Or another way of putting it, an unchurched Christian is a contradiction, like grapes not on a vine, being separated, saying I'm connected, or like a baby without a mother. They just go together. So once someone says, I'm a Christian, I'm going to go to church, contradiction. So that's where we're going to end up. Uh, To to help us think that and think about how we answer that in ourselves and with others, uh, let's bounce through uh, these seven points quickly. Okay. Uh, The first one is um, a follower of Jesus is, I want to say more, regular, is committed to regular and active church involvement because... Seven thoughts. One, the first one is the definition of the church. Church literally means gathering, that's how we often translate, but it actually got a a more literal meaning, and the more literal meaning is those called out into the gathering. Uh, And so church means those called out into God's gathering, into God's whole church, everyone all around the world all time, but into a local church expression of that universal church. A classic example is 1 Peter 2.9. Have a listen. But you, plural, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you, plural, may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Can you see the definition of God's people? You are chosen. You are holy. You have been separated Um, for his possession. He owns you. He loves you. You're his family. So that why? You may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out. Of where? Darkness into his marvellous light. What's darkness? Judgment, being under judgment, heading to hell, not knowing God and not knowing through the Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, through his word, someone from church that he used told you and he called you by the Spirit out of the world of darkness and put you into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He brought us into the light. So now we're not under judgment anymore because Jesus has done it for us and paid for it. Now we are in the light. We now live with Jesus and he now leads us. Our heart is now soft to him and we declare the praises of the one who has called us out and saved us and put us into his kingdom, his nation, his possession, into his church. You got it? It, The definition of church is called out into a gathering. 
Um, two, this is exactly what we see in the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, 116 times the word church is mentioned. It just takes it for granted that if you are saved, if you are God's child, you're called, you are in the church. So the church, the church, the church. I put out a whole bunch of references. I was going to read them out. That's one of the ones John told me to slip, to skip, so I'm skipping them. But church, 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 church. It just takes it for granted that if you are God's friend, if you follow Jesus, if you trust him, if you are saved, if you're out of the world, you are in a church and you are actively involved in it. Um, uh, one of the things you've got to say uh, just here at this point maybe is we've got to keep reminding ourselves in our modern language the word church has come down to us to mean the building. This is the church. That's the church. That There's a church. The church. At, but that's not what the Bible means. The church is the people. God calls you to be a part of a people and that's just a rain shelter this is just a rain shelter. We want to make it good. We want to keep it clean. We want to you know, use it, make it a bit. We want to expand it, get it out, get it ran to that. We want to do all that, but don't love the building more than the people. Work on the building, work on the grounds, do all the things we've got to do to keep the place. But church is people. And so that is what we are. Three, uh, uh, those who are God's people go to church and are committed to church. Why? Because... Jesus is building the church. That's what he said he'd do. Matthew 16, I will build my church. You hear what he's saying? I'm going to build my called out gathering. I'm going to call people out and put them into my church and into gatherings. I'm going to call them out. That's what I'm going to do. That's what Jesus said he'd do. That's what he'd do. If you've been called out, that's what you'll do. Because by the Spirit, he has called you out. He's called you out to be saints, if you want to use another word now, and so Colossians 1, verse 2, to the saints in Christ at Colossae. Now, saints, uh, you know, some people have this wrong idea that saints are special Christians. No such thing. When you go to the Bible, we're all saints. You're sitting next to saints. You can say, hello, St. John, how are you? Hello, St. Greg, great to see you. Hello, St. Di. It's saints. You might struggle over some people, you know, St. Carly, but you know, but she is, she is, she is. You know, saint, saints, we're all saints. But notice, saints means holy ones, that is, separated for God. We have been separated out of the world for God in Christ by the Spirit, and we are plural, saints, to the saints at Colossae, to the saints at Thessalonica, to the saints at... Galatia, wherever, to the saints at Pittown. Saints, plural, we have been set out. Christ is building his church. He is putting us together, holy ones, separated, called out, gathered to work together, to be actively involved, not to come and go, but to get actively involved in what God is doing. Uh, four, I'd love to spend a lot of time here, but is this the one you told me to skip? Yeah, this one too. So I'm going to be quick. So, um, so, so uh, we do this in commitment group for a long while. But, but just what, I want us to know this. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? When we become Christians, the spirit moves into us. But he calls us into a church and he says the spirit lives in here with us. Where do you find the spirit in the, word, in the world? Well, we find him in the word because we did another value. Don't spit, 
split, spit. Don't spit. Don't split the word from the spirit because you bring the word, you bring the spirit. Don't be going, God said, make sure you're, you're don't split it because you use God's word to test. But here, where do you find the spirit? In God's gathered people around God's word before we are being built into a temple of God where God dwells. So I'll leave that alone because you'll go to church because that's what, where the spirit dwells. And so if you have the spirit, that's where he brings you and that's why he calls us not to get in the habit of not gathering together uh, to spur one another on to love and good works in Hebrews 10 because that is how we encourage one another. We come together to do what? Well, to sing his glory, to sing his praises, but also to encourage one another to love and good works, to love one another and to obey. That's what we come together to do, to obey, to stop being on the edges, to get involved. Uh, that's as quick as I can do that, John. So five. So five, we are called, we go to church, we're committed to church because, well, one, the definition, that's what it means to be a Christian. You're called out. It's what we see in the New Testament. Jesus is building his church. The Holy Spirit is present. But five, we're called into a family. That's what we're called into. Uh, individually, John 1, 12, but to uh, all who did receive Jesus, he gave them the right to be called children of God. Now, we're familiar with this. When we become a Christian, when we turn to the Lord Jesus, make him our Lord and Saviour, we are made children. So we're children of God. Ephesians 2, verse 18 and 19. For through him, uh, uh, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We are in God's family. Members of God's family. We call one another to be, fem to be members where God is doing that. Um, it, it's sort of probably the best way of putting it, of understanding. I think the, the way the metaphor is working is it's the same as being born. You are born individually, unless you're a twin, but still you're individual. You know, you actually come. And, and God doesn't just pop you out and leave you on the grass and say, okay, little slimy lizard-looking thing, grow. Be, go, go enjoy the world, go enjoy life. No, no, no he, everything going right, you get born into a family with a mum and dad who love you, who care for you and nurture you, feed you and clothe you, look after you so that you survive. When we are born again by the Spirit and we're baby Christians, born at whatever age, God puts us into a family of mums and dads, brothers and sisters, grandfathers and grandmothers. He brings us into a family so that we will survive. Do you get the picture? So when someone says, I'm a Christian, I go to church, you know they're a baby sitting on a hill. They're not really. They will not live. God brings us and is nurtured in the fellowship and family of his people. Um, um, Christianity is personal, but it is never private. Never private. And to say you're a Christian who doesn't go to church is a complete contradiction of terms. Um, I've got... Uh, I put up two articles. I don't have many... There's a few running around. I hope they're here somewhere at the back. If not, get off one off me. I've got two things that are worth reading. The only, thing, the only way I'm worried about these is the people here who should read them probably won't, and the people who don't read them should... So if you know who you are, those who have ears to hear, listen, they're great to read, but 
here's two things. The first one is eight ways to stop going to church without anyone noticing. Uh, a little funny, a little bit sad about how people slip out and the habits that show you're going that way. Uh, the other one is the deceiver's top ten tips for making sure you and your family have a miserable time and fruitless experience in church this Sunday. Amazingly good insight, and it's got a lovely picture of Mr Bean on the front. If you've ever seen that story when he goes to church, that skit, you know, and he does everything wrong, that bloke next to him is actually offended. So it's a great picture, but even though it's sort of funny, you know, it is just tracking the way people fall out of church. If you think you can't fall out of church, read it. If you think you don't have to worry, read it. Um, or ask me for the articles. Um, if you don't, I don't have many around. Hope there are. Anyway. Six. We're committed to church because, really, of what Jesus said in our reading. So Luke 8, let's read it again, about who Jesus' real family is. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. Jesus was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But Jesus replied to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do God's word. Just let that sit with you for a minute. Jesus says, they're not my real family. You are. You're more my family than they are. Now, be very, very careful to hear what I'm not saying and what Jesus isn't saying. Uh, he's not saying we should neglect our families. Bible say in other places, to neglect your family is worse than an unbeliever. He's not saying neglect your earthly family. But he is saying there's something deeper happening with your brothers and sisters in Christ that's going to go on forever. That's not going to happen with your family if they don't know the Lord Jesus and aren't a part of his church. This is why we work hard to help our families be part of the church. Um, um, but you've got to get the issue here too to really feel, feel what Jesus is saying here. Um, at the point when this was said by Jesus, his mum and his brothers were um, trying to pull him away from obeying God. So we've got to be very clear on this so we get the context. His mum and brothers were really coming to tell him what you're saying. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop doing what you're doing. Do something else. You've, something's wrong. They're not actually a part of his spiritual family yet. They're still part of the earth. They're trying to put him off. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't let your earthly family stop you from obeying God. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't, let you, don't use your family as an excuse to not obey God. Do you see what he's saying? A lot of people are not with Jesus, not in church, because of their family. Because they let them 
pull them away. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Why do Christians go to church? Because Jesus warns us that our family can pull us away and we want the family that's going to keep us in. The one that he has designed to encourage us to love and good works, to keep holding on to Jesus because we're like a baby if we separate. It's like that old illustration, you know, the pastor goes along to someone who hasn't been to church for a while and they've got a fireplace and he gets the poker and he pulls out the burning hot red coal and he leaves it out there and he chats to him and after you know, 20 minutes of chatting, what colour's that coal? And the pastor leaves. You get the point? We've got to stay together to stay hot. It's just to stay alive. It's how God's designed it. And sometimes it's our earthly family that can pull us away or we're using that for an excuse. We've got to be very, very careful. We have a family. Um, and it's a very, very important thing we need to understand about ourselves that uh, we need one another and there's a deeper thing happening sometimes in our own family. This is one I put for at night, but I think families need, need to hear it. Uh, that is, that this is one of the reasons too, because of the way we're influenced like this with family, this is one of the reasons why God calls us to marry Christians, to encourage our kids to marry Christians. Because uh, one of the verses we're given is because God desires godly offspring. So when we decide to marry a non-Christian, the cost could well be our kids and the pressure of being away from obeying God. And so we really need God's mercy. doesn't matter what we've done, what we do. We've got to understand that God's given us a spiritual family to keep us going and to keep us alive. And we've got to understand too that for some people, they, this is their family. Around the world and for different circumstances, people can find themselves in a place where, where the church is their family because they've been rejected by their family because of Christ or for other reasons, they just end up being alone, single, widowed, whatever, and this is their family and they need us to be a family, not just to be thinking about ourselves and ours, but to look at, at us that way. And so Jesus knows about this and Matthew 19, he says this, verse 29, and everyone who has left houses, brothers, or sisters, father, or mother, or children, feels because of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. What's the hundred times more? He's saying, I will bless you, but you're going to get a family. You're not familyless. You've got brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got mums and dads in Christ. You've got grandfathers and grandmothers in Christ in your church as we realise we are that for one another. Um, yeah. And so seven, lastly, why we go to church is because God is calling us and he's given us, us a job. He's given us time, talents and treasures to be used, as we've seen, as we're all ministers, for a job. And we know the job is to make disciples, as we saw in our first value. But, but let me remind you from two other places. Ephesians 3.10. This is so God's multifaceted wisdom may be made known through the church. Through the church. That's his plan. Or 1 Timothy 3. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, God's family, which is the church of the living God, 
the pillar and foundation of the truth. And thirdly, John 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so what's God's plan? That through the church, he's going to call in his people. He's going to call in people into his church. Through his church, sends us back out. He calls us in and he sends us out to sing his praises uh, so that people declare his praise, so people can hear, so that they can be called in. And because we're a pillar and foundation of the truth. That's what we are to hold up. So, we have a job together. So, a follower of Jesus is committed. Let's put it all together. Look to seven together quickly. Why are we active and involved in church? One, we're called out into the church. If we are saved, that's what God's done. That's why we're there. This is what we see in the New Testament. Uh, Three, uh, Jesus said he'd build his church. And so, if you're a part of his church, you're built into it. Four, The Holy Spirit is where God is working, in the church. And so that's where he dwells. And so if you have the Spirit, you will be in the church. Um, We're called into a church family. The church is your family. And so you'll be in the family and you'll be actively involved. Um, And Jesus says this is his real family. And so we'll be actively involved in our real family, so to speak. And because God's God's given us a job to do. This is why, uh, if you're a Christian, we go to church. And so God saves us into the church and why his saved children are committed to it. May we all show that we are Jesus's by the way we treat church. Amen. Questions and thoughts later.